Our, our scripture reading is from the Old Testament book of Job, Job chapter 29. The 29th chapter of the book of Job, we're going to commence reading at verse 1. Job 29 and verse 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, O that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candles shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, when I washed my steps with with butter, and the rock poured me out rivers of oil, when I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me, and hid themselves, the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind, and fate was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not I searched out. I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory was fresh in me, and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave ear, and waited, and kept silenced at my counsel. After my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain, If I laughed in them, they they believed it not, and the light of my countenance they cast not down. I chose out their way, and sat chief, and dwelt as a king in the army, as one that comforteth the mourners. We'll end a reading there at the last verse of this chapter, knowing that God will add to the public reading of his word his own divine seal of approval and blessing. Most people who have been gifted the desire to spiritually have an interest in God's word have at times considered the Lord's servant Job. In fact, it was God's challenge to his adversary, the devil, 
and that brought this challenge to our attention when God said to the devil, Hast thou considered my servant Job? The answer that was given by the fallen Lucifer remains a major source of interest to every follower of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Being fully aware that God had made a hedge about Job, the devil sought occasion to expose the man who feared God and avoided evil to a series of trials that would conclude, as he thought, that this citizen of us would curse God to his face. Mercifully, this did not happen. Even though his spiritual life was stretched to breaking point in a number of significant and sensitive areas. The loss of his family, the destruction of his business, the disillusionment of his wife are but mere reference points to the intensity of the emotional, the psychological, and the physical struggles that any human being before or after him has personally entered. Alois friends are recorded as making an effort to analyze the plight of God's servants, and they fail to enter into both the mind and the will of God. At best, they were presenting views that were a mixture of humanism, of skepticism, and of fatalism. Now, much of what we read in the 42 chapters of this book relate to what we might describe as the post-sufferings of Job. That is, in that composition of the aftermath of his life being tried by fire. But there is one chapter that is detailed in its testimony of his life and of his ministry before the permissible burdens fell heavy upon his life. And that is this 29th chapter. Please note the words of verse 2, where Job said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in days when God preserved me. In verse 4, as I was in the days of my youth. It is clear from the revelation before us that during this part of his life, Job's testimony was highly esteemed among all generations of people. The young men saw me and hid themselves. The aged arose and stood up. In verse 8. And although the epistle of James had not been written, he fulfilled the attributes of pure religion in that he visited the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. He was always there to help them marginalize in his society. And he caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Who amongst us could evaluate the benefits from such a powerful and influential ministry? For as a young man, the secret of the Lord was upon his life. But before the mighty deluge of his unprecedented sufferings were released upon him, he still had his challenging moments to face. Please look at the latter part of verse 3, 
which is our text for today. When by his light I walked through darkness. When by his light I walked through darkness. Being directed to meditate upon these words, I believe that their applicability can be transferred to the life of everyone who is a sinner saved through God's sovereign grace. Often we have engaged our hearts in the hymn of Francis Harold Raleigh, I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. But there is a line in that hymn that says, Days of darkness still come o'er me, as sorrow's paths I often tread, but the Saviour still is with me, by his hand I'm safely led. Even when the Almighty was still with Job, and his children were still around him, and he was in a great measure in health and strength, he entered periods in his life of which the prophet Isaiah spoke. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. It is clear from this revelation that godly men and godly women who have a reverential fear of God and a genuine and a sincere desire to listen to the word of God can still go through periods of darkness in their life. And that is what makes this text so important. When by his light, I walked through darkness. Three things came as a direct and personal challenge to my own soul. The penetrating of the darkness, the pace of the disciple, and the promise of the daybreak. Just very briefly, the penetrating of the darkness. In the natural sequencing of time, most people throughout this world make preparation for the darkness on a daily basis. While lighting systems are more sophisticated now, the basic practice of lighting in the home is as ancient as man. In Exodus 10, we read of the Israelites in Egypt having light in their dwellings. We know of the detailed description of the tabernacle uh, that there was a candlestick with light in the holy place. We know that Samuel, as a young boy, one of his occupations was uh, to put out the light in the temple at night. And all this confirms that it's relatively easy for all of us to deal with natural darkness. The striking of a flint, the lighting of a match, the flicking of a switch can disperse various volumes of darkness. But spiritual darkness is an altogether different proposition. Job clearly had encountered such seasons in his life. Even before 
He entered into a furnace of affliction that was intense in its pain and bewildering in his mind. Yet I feel I must emphasize that this should not imply that we advocate some form of classification in terms of different levels in a person's struggles during their night season. Every individual experiences in life are very personal to them and cannot be dismissed or ignored by a watching pastor or a watching people. It is unkind, it is ungracious and incompassionate to minimize or to trivialize another person's anguish of soul on the human scale of comparison by stating that my pain is worse than your pain, that my problems are more deeper than your problems. Job's trials before he faced what befell him in the opening chapters of this book were a major challenge to him at that time and must have appeared as a giant in his way. Clearly mesmerized as to how he would see a way through his problems, he declares that it was God's light upon his life that enabled him to walk through the darkness. That is, God shone a light upon his path so that he could walk through that period of darkness. And after coming through that particular test, he was prepared for a more serious encounter involving his physical, his emotional, and his spiritual life. Just think for a moment. If God had to permissively thrust his servant into the various strands of impoverishment that befell him without a gradual build-up to them, I fear that Job would have been crushed under their tremendous force. He could not have said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But that is how God deals with we as children. Graciously, lovingly, and incrementally, he brings us into various trials in order to humble us, to prove us, and to see what is in our hearts. For Joseph, the relatively short period in which he was a prisoner to his own brethren must have been a most dreadful experience. The fear that etched itself upon his fair countenance never left the memory of his ruthless brothers. In fact, later they referred to that moment when they said they saw the anguish of his soul as they thrust him into the pit. But soon the son of Jacob walked through that particular period of darkness only to discover that there was another present experience awaiting him. This time it was for a much longer season. 
during which he was subjected to highs and lows of natural hopes and natural disappointments. Providentially, the Lord was with him and showed him mercy as he languished in an Egyptian dungeon in the knowledge that he had done nothing wrong to merit his imprisonment. And yet, crucially, he never lost his appreciation of his intimate relationship with God. For while in the prison he spoke of the interpretation of dreams belonging to God, he was equally content in the knowledge that God was the author of his present circumstances and that he would ultimately interpret them in his own time. What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. The Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, It is not inconceivable that some dear heart in this service is sitting in a dark place. Every facet of life seems to be against you. When you rise in the morning, you look for the night. And when the night comes, you look for the morning. Nothing seems to penetrate through the enveloping darkness. If that is your state of heart, may I urge you to prayerfully consider this fact. Has not God helped you through dark days in the past? When you felt your world was crumbling under your feet, when you momentarily acquainted yourself with the words of Psalm 77, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Then you instantly were reminded of the two verses that follow. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Such wonders were embedded into the mind and into the heart of Job, so that in the midst of a darkness that was deeper than the darkness of his youth, he could say in verse 3 of chapter 28, He setteth an end to darkness. Dear believer, as you face Whatever trial it is you are facing this morning, can I urge you lovingly and tenderly to reflect on times when you were in dark situations and the Lord brought you through? And I put it to you very simply. If he brought you through in the past, he will bring you through in the present. I comfort my heart in the knowledge that he penetrates through the darkness. But then we have the pace of the disciple. It says here in our text, and when by his light I walked through darkness. 
I confess that my youthful experience of the dark did not accommodate walking. Living as we did as a family up a lane that bordered the Roselawn Cemetery, I recalled running as fast as I could the half-mile journey to get to the light of the home as quickly as possible. I certainly didn't walk in the dark. But here the Lord's servant is walking through darkness. There is an obvious sense of calmness here, of serenity in the mind of this beloved disciple, which implies that he was not acting in a manner that was neither panic-stricken or mentally agitating. The reason for this peace and tranquility is based on this fact, that God's candle was shining upon his head. That is symbolic of the spiritual blessing or the spiritual prosperity that Job had upon his life. It was like a benediction. And it was manifested through him, as we have read of how the young men hid themselves and the older men stood in respect of him, as a light that shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. It is clearly not without signification that the reference is to the candle shining upon his head. For the head accommodates that most remarkable part of our body, and that is our brain. And it is our brain that activates or motivates our movement. Well, did the apostle speak about another member warring against the law of his mind, seeking to bring him into bondage, that is, to bring his ministry to a standstill? It is God's priority that you and I, as his blood-bought people, should walk in the light as he is in the light. That means that our greatest priority is to walk in step with him. I know we have a drum major in our service this morning, and I know that she would be very annoyed if those behind her were out of step. It is her responsibility, in a sense, to keep the band in step. And so often God's dear people are out of step with their Savior. We read of the children of Zebulun in First Chronicles 12 how that when they went to war, they could keep rank. The same is said of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they all walked with one heart to make David king. And that is why we should pray for, for grace, even the grace of discernment, that we will be able to walk through the darkness that surrounds the nation at this moment. For many walks, said the Apostle Paul, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, 
that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whereas we read of God's faithful servants in Malachi 2, the law of truth was in his mouth and equity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. There is absolutely no substitute in life from walking with God in peace and in equity. But how can I know that I'm walking with him? What is the evidence? It's a very important question. Particularly in light of what Job was alerted to in another chapter, when he said, if my step hath turned out of the way, and mine eye walked after mine eyes. Let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle, which is weeds, instead of barley. We cannot possibly, we cannot possibly say that we are walking with him if we think that the solution to our darkness is found amidst the thistles and the weeds of this world. God said to the Gentile king Cyrus, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars of iron. Then he said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Strange as it may seem, there is a spiritual gold mine to be discovered in the darkness of your experiences. And the key to unlock the door to that gold mine is this, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. I must confess that the darkest parts of my ministry have proven to be among the most important and the most invaluable. For there is nothing in life more precious than when the blessed Lord Jesus Christ takes you by the hand and says to you personally, Fear not, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. One of the great blessings of being with the Lord Jesus Christ in your dark experience is the fact that it's just him and you. When you're going through a difficult time, it's just him and you in the darkness. And it reminds me of an old hymn that, I don't know if we sung it as a church congregation or soloist or group sang it. I traveled alone upon this lonesome way. My burden so heavy and dark was my day. I looked for a friend not knowing that he had all of the time 
been looking for me. Now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow, for every heartache and every sorrow. I know that I can depend upon my new fine friend. So to the end, it's Jesus and me. I'll stay by his side, contented I'll be for all of my life. It is Jesus and me. I never read of my Savior running. I always read of my Savior walking. He walked with the three Hebrew children in the burning fiery furnace. He walked with the two on the road to Emmaus. He sometimes slows down our pace that he might walk with us. But finally, there is the promise of the daybreak. And when by his light I walked through darkness. There's a lovely, lovely reference there. The third verse of that 28th chapter of Job where we read, he setteth an end to darkness. It's not going to last forever. Whatever struggle you are facing, whatever battle you are engaged in, whatever circumstances are pressing upon you, he setteth an end to the darkness. And there is a glorious hope and expectation that reminds us that a better day is coming when we will enter the celestial realities of heaven. There'll be no night there. For we read that all those who are present are those who called upon the name of the Lord and are saved. I must acknowledge this morning that sometimes I lose sight of the reality of souls going into eternity. The awful murder of that young journalist a few weeks ago we heard much surrounding the aftermath of that. But I concede I never heard anyone question where is she now? We can lose sight of that. Dear friend, I say to you very lovingly that if you die without Christ you will be in hell. I can't put it any other way. You're running a major risk in resisting and in repelling the message of the gospel. And the tragedy is this, that you might well be walking through darkness now 
but it will be nothing compared to the darkness that yet awaits the unconverted soul. I appeal to those who are not saved to trust Christ today, to accept him as their saviour. And for those amongst us who are maybe going through a very difficult time in their Christian life, I simply communicate to you what God has graciously given to me for you. And when by his light I walked through darkness. Thank you so much for listening. And I do trust that God will graciously write his truth upon your heart.